This episode is sponsored by Tierna Medieval Shop. Check them out in the link in the description. Hi, I'm Jordan, the fourth and final host of the show. Welcome to Medieval, and thanks for joining us, not only to you listeners, but also to our first guest on the show. I am Sir Paulo Barsi, a friend of Joshua and a Knight Templar. I was knighted under the Order of the Temple of Solomon on October 8th in 2017. I study apologetics and theology, and for that reason I was invited to be on Medieval Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a blessing and an honor. Thanks, Paolo. I'm excited to have you here. We're talking about the early history of Christianity today, and Paolo is probably the best person I know to join me on this. As we'll discover in our upcoming episodes of the podcast, Christianity was by far the most popular religion in medieval Europe, and for many centuries, the Catholic Church was one of the most powerful institutions of the medieval ages. I think the best way to kickstart our history of Christianity in its early days is to jump straight into the crucifixion of Christ, the focal point of the religion. When Jewish Passover was near, the chief priests and scribes were looking for an excuse to kill Jesus. The Jewish people had begun to loathe him because he had outdone with the old law, and many of the Jewish people followed the religious leaders in labeling Christ as a blasphemer. Then, we believe, Satan entered the mind of Judas Iscariot, the treasurer of the disciples. Judas, under Satan's guise, went to the chief priests to ransom Christ. Passover came, and Christ ate it with the disciples, Judas included. During this, Christ instated Holy Communion for the first time. And this is also where the Holy Grail, the cup which Jesus drank out of, supposedly originated. Allegedly, the Order of the Templars dug up this somewhere under the Temple of Solomon, a legend which we'll explore later in the podcast, but yes. Christ begins to prophecy here, foretelling Simon Peter's denial of it. They go to Mount Olives to pray. Here, Christ sweats blood. Upon returning, Judas came to him with a crowd. He came close to Jesus to kiss him in greeting, but Christ pulled away, saying, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? Peter, realizing what is about to happen, struck out at a servant of the high priest, cutting his ear off. Christ is captured, then beaten and mocked. The chief priests and scribes came to him, eventually to decide his fate asking him a final time whether he was the Son of God. Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor of Jerusalem, is responsible for keeping the people happy and under control. Pilate found Christ completely innocent, but to keep people happy he needed to make a choice. So he sent Christ to King Herod, who also found him guiltless. A slap on the wrist was decided punishment, but the people cried out to have Christ crucified in place of Barabbas, a criminal whose equivalent would be Guy Fawkes or some other insurgent guilty of murder. Pilate again asked for Christ's deliverance, but they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! A third time, Pilate asked, and a third time, he was denied. Christ would be forced to carry his cross through Jerusalem, but since he had been beaten so savagely, he could not. Simon of Cyrene, a bystander, was seized to carry it for him. Behind him were the legs of a funeral procession. Two more criminals were sentenced to crucifixion on a hill outside of Jerusalem, called the Skull. From here, Christ was nailed to a cross, his clothes gambled for, and his godliness mocked. Here, one of the criminals asked him for forgiveness, which was granted. He hung for two and a half days, three days in Jewish calendars. The sun began to set on the third, and the curtain dividing the Jewish temple into two parts was torn, showing that God was now with the people instead of just guiding them. Christ then took his last breath. A centurion cried out, He was innocent! And everyone there left anguished. He was buried by Joseph of Arimathea in a tomb of stone. The fundamental belief of Christianity is that Jesus was resurrected, 
it is believed that Christianity grew in small Jewish communities and spread by word of mouth. New Christian rituals gradually came to replace traditional Jewish ones. However, as the Christians gained popularity, they attracted attention from people in power, especially those in the Roman Empire, Saul of Tarsus being one of them. In Acts, throughout chapter 8, Saul's atrocities are detailed. In chapter 9, Saul is one of the greatest persecutors of Christians, not too far from Nero. Saul is on his way to Damascus to apprehend more Christians when God appears to him in a blinding light. Saul falls to his face, hearing a voice say around him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul asks, Who are you, Lord? Already knowing, he speaks to God. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what to do. When Saul rose from the ground, he was blind. When Ananias laid his hands on Saul to restore his sight, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Scale-like objects fell from his eyes, and he immediately went and was baptized. After this, he became one of the most vivacious preachers in all Christendom. Saul changes his name to Paul to show how he changed from persecuting the Christians to an extremely dedicated preacher. I'm actually named after him. For 30 years, he traveled across the Mediterranean in the Roman Empire, probably covering about 10,000 miles. He approached city after city, town after town, village after village, preaching Pauline Christianity. Holding that the message of Jesus was for everyone, he focused on teaching his ideas to both Jews and non-Jews. Considering Paul was one of the greatest persecutors of Christians and seeing how he became an apostle to the Gentiles, converting hundreds if not thousands of people, I would say his conversion was insanely significant. Paul was responsible for the far reach of Christianity and he laid the foundations for what would eventually become the Eastern Orthodox Church. Somewhere between 63 and 67 AD, Paul was persecuted and killed by the Roman Emperor Nero, his death coinciding with the crucifixion of one of Jesus' disciples, Peter. Believing he was not worthy of suffering the same death of his Lord, Peter demanded to be crucified upside down. He is usually recognized as the very first Pope of the Catholic Church and was granted this role when Jesus told him he would build his church upon the rock. The rock being Peter, often called the Prime Minister of the Twelve Apostles. Peter was the first Bishop of Rome, making him Pope. The papacy evolved out of the Bishop of Rome, or Pontifex Maximus, which had been the leader of Roman paganism for hundreds of years prior to Christianity. However, the Pope became the term for the highest office in the Roman Catholic Church. The Bishop of Rome is the head of the Catholic Church, and Catholics believe the Pope is elected by God through the Cardinals. Before you Americans ask, no, not the baseball team. All Popes are recognized as successors of St. Peter. Peter's earliest successors gave their lives for the furthering of the Christian cause, and they faced cruel persecution from the Romans. Stephen and James, for example, were a couple of the first Christian martyrs. Christianity was an urban faith and established itself in the major city centers of Roman Empire. Since Christians did not agree with the pagan custom of burning dead bodies, they constructed expansive underground tunnels called catacombs, where they could bury the dead. The catacombs were huge labyrinths, often several miles long. There are more than 60 discovered catacombs in Rome alone, but only five are open to the public. Even though the intended use of the catacombs was for dead bodies, it is widely believed that the Christians hid from Roman persecution in the catacombs, generation after generation making use of these winding tunnels to practice the religion away from the public Roman eye. I've had the luck to be inside them. 
I don't believe Christians hid for centuries inside them, but I do believe they were used as a meeting and hiding place as the need arose. The common Jesus fish you see is actually descended from this time. It was a nonverbal way for Christians to identify each other. One would draw a curve in the dirt, and if the other completed it into the fish, both would know the other was Christian. There were several mass persecutions of Christians. Even so, by the 4th century, Christianity was the most dominant religious force in the empire and had gained the recognition of all the most powerful and illustrious figures in the empire. Finally, in 311, the Edict of Toleration put an end to the persecution of Christians. Two years later, the Emperor Constantine, who was miraculously converted to Christianity during a battle, legalized the religion. I feel like it was a joyous occasion, especially after Nero's shadow, finally having your faith be allowed in the capital of the world would feel like a triumph to me. I'd be running in the streets shouting, Jesus Christus est vivere, as loud as I could. In the year 325, a large group of heretics, led by a priest in Egypt, began questioning Christ's divinity. So a massive gathering of priests and bishops was called under Constantine to meet in Nicaea. It was the first gathering of these members in Christendom. The council condemned Arius and Arian Christianity, Emperor Constantine exiling Arius and establishing the Nicene Creed. It held that Jesus was equal with God and that Jesus was the Messiah. The Creed defines what we Catholics believe, everything. In other words, like the reminders on our phones, the Nicene Creed reminds us why we go to Mass each week and try to live a Christ-like life outside the doors of the Church. It's a summary of everything we believe in. While fads come and go, a simple profession of faith is still as relevant today as it was nearly 1700 years ago. Just as in Constantine's time, we are still surrounded by people who say the Catholic teachings are insane. I was one of them once. In a time where it's really easy to idolize celebrities, we need something that transcends back to the roots of our faith. Many new Christian denominations sprung up in both the East and the West as the religion began to take a powerful grip of the early medieval world. Arian Christianity and Orthodox Christianity were two such variants, and Paolo is best at outlining the main differences between them. The Orthodox don't recognize the Pope as supreme. They recognize him happily, but they don't believe he should have dominion over every church. Arianism believes that Christ was begotten by God, just a man with supernatural powers, if you will. The Catholics and Orthodox believe Christ is every beat eternal as the Holy Spirit or the Father. We will explore how the papacy and those other denominations grew in medieval Europe in our upcoming episodes. Since this episode was only intended to brush up on the basics of early Christianity, I'd like to thank both Sir Pablo Barsi for joining us and offering his knowledge for this episode and our sponsor, Artirna Medieval Shop. They print incredible maps and pieces of traditional medieval artwork and kindly sent me an amazing map of Europe, which is perfect for adding a historical or antique feeling to any room. I genuinely love what they do, otherwise I wouldn't be endorsing them. So if you're interested in getting a stunning medieval themed piece of artwork to slap on your wall, then go check out Artina at the link in the description or on Instagram. That is A-E-T-E-R-N-A. And thank you for making this episode possible. And Paolo, any last words? I would just like to express that my opinions are entirely my own and my education on Catholic faith isn't perfect. My commentary is for the purpose of education. My references are the Bible, English Standard Version, and Christianity, The First 3,000 Years by Dermade McCullough. Thank you so very much for having me. And if you'll have me again, I would love to do this. Thank you so much. Thanks, Paolo. And it was a pleasure to have you on Medieval. 
For questions, feedback, or factual corrections, email us at medievalpodcast at outlook.com. As usual, that's all for today, but we'll see you soon for more episodes of Medieval. Thanks for listening.